Welcome to Maddie's Mental Health Podcast, aiming to spread awareness on mental health by sharing the real life stories. All right, Jenny May is here with us today. How are you doing, Jenny? Hello, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very good. I'm doing very good. It's a nice uh, rainy Thursday yeah. today. <laughs> Sadly. It was sunny yesterday, though, so I mean, that's okay. It'll be sunny again. It's all beautiful. Uh, how's your day going? How's your week going? How's, how's life? Oh, well, we're, we're just riding a roller coaster right now, but it's okay. That's the vibe. That's good. That's good. Um, to the story. We've been chatting for a little bit, uh, for a little while, actually, probably like a couple of years. I think a mutual friend kind of, um, yeah, yeah, kind of orchestrated this and thought you'd be wanting to come on and stuff. And, yeah. Um, we've been chatting a little bit and you recently reached out again. And I think, uh, just want to say thanks for for reaching out and wanting to come on. No, thanks for having me on here. Um, so you sent me um a little bit about your story, and um, you can just jump right into it wherever you'd like. Yeah, if you want to, I don't know, I don't remember what I said. So if you want to bring up whatever, then that's cool, and we can just vibe from there. <laughs> well, um, I from what I gather, it all kind of started for you with your mental health journey um, when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about right. 13. And uh, I just remember like, I mean, I was like super young when I was going through stuff, but I didn't really notice it, I guess, until like way later. And I was like, oh, this maybe is not normal living. <laughs> but when I was 13, I, uh, I had like my first panic attack and I didn't know what I was doing. My parents were like, what is happening? I just remember like being on the floor hyperventilating like not knowing what was going on kind of thing and um just kind of all spiraled from there that was when I was in grade eight so um yeah I was pretty young and starting to self-harm and all that stuff and uh then yeah like I seen a counselor for like a private counselor for like four sessions I don't know if she just couldn't handle the heat or (laughs) no she was great but uh yeah I don't think I was at an age kind of where I really knew what I was doing to get help. Um, my dad ended up getting sick around that time and I was just really confused and Steffi had cancer. So uh, yeah, that's kind of where my my journey with mental health began. So, so like looking back at that time uh, when you were in grade eight, like having your first panic attack, was there anything when you kind of look back and reflect that that led up to those events did you have certain kind of feelings I I don't even know I just remember like I would just kind of throw myself on the ground and just like be in hysterics pretty much uh, and just cry and hyperventilate and my parents didn't know what to do they thought like I was just doing it because like you know I was a teenager and back then still like there is stigma and stuff and like they're great now where they're at and shout out to my parents because they're going to watch this and yeah they've helped me a lot but back then it was just it was still taboo like I didn't know what it was going on neither did they so there was nothing that triggered it or anything I think just like being a teenager kind of threw me through a loop sometimes I kind of went through some stuff right hmm. um so you went to the counselor and how was that experience starting out um I didn't know what the hell I was doing (laughs) like I didn't know what to tell her I didn't really know like I didn't know what was going on myself so I just like I talked to her four times I think and I think she was more so like a family friend and she was good and stuff but um then I was on 
the wait list for Richmond Center and we all know how that goes like it just takes a while uh, so I never ended up actually getting help right away which is it's okay it took me to where I'm at now and that's it all happens for a reason I think um, and yeah I know this like they were good like but I think it was more so to help kind of with the anxiety that I had with my father being sick. So yeah, yeah. So it didn't last too long. And then I kind of just coped on my own and stuff after that. So yeah. How old were you when your father started getting sick? Um, it would be 13, like 13 or 14. Yeah, 13. Yeah. So like, right. a, like a little bit after that uh, panic attack that I had. Mm-hmm. okay right yeah, 2009 so you say you got put on the waiting list for the richmond center um how long did it take to get into there <laughs> i never actually did until i ended up in the hospital because that just kind of sped things up a little bit so i ended up okay. actually at mcgill but yeah i didn't take uh, 2016 until i actually ended up getting a therapist okay Mm-hmm. And at that point, did you get like kind of diagnosed? Yeah, so I um, I went to Halifax for two months for a placement, and I was just free, right? Like I've been very not sheltered, but you know, I've lived with my parents my whole life, and I finally moved out for two months, and I kind of got invincible, and I kind of went a little bit manic, and when I came home. I instantly crashed uh, after graduation and ended up in unit nine for two weeks in July of 2016. And they diagnosed me with bipolar type two rapid cycling. And um, so then I ended up with a psychiatrist and a therapist and all that jazz. And then in August, so like a month later, I uh, had attempted uh, suicide and so I was just diagnosed with bipolar at this point, but I have a, quite a few other diagnoses since then. Um, and those are my two first uh, hospital visits. So, yeah. So what was your, what was that initial experience? Like, was that the first time that you felt um, manic? Like, I guess like that, that gap yeah. between um, like being a grade eight till then yeah, the first time I, I felt I mean I probably had like some manic experiences but I never really knew um I right. know that the year before that I was manic but um I, did, I thought I was also just 19 years old and doing some crazy stuff like skydiving and not having money to Woo! pay for <laughs> yeah I mean Woo! what do you do when you're manic you go skydiving and then you see Aaron Carter in concert right that's just what you do so, <laughs> you just plan it last moment so, yeah it sounds very manic <laughs> yeah nobody knew I was going but the friends I was with so uh, contact uh, for safety if something happens who the hell do you put down for that because nobody knows you're there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it was fun though. I got some good pictures and yeah, a good time. But other than that, no, that's probably the only two before this, like being diagnosed and stuff, I was manic those two times. <laughs> okay, so you yeah. move away for the first time in Halifax um, mm-hmm. for a placement and then 
so what i guess just what kind of that happened right away when you moved over there and what sort of behaviors um yeah it was um like i wasn't like visibly manic i wouldn't say like i think that people probably thought i had my shit together for the most part but no i when i get manic i now know that i started kind of abusing substances a bit more and i mean i was turning 20 so it's normal back then and i said that very lightly because it's actually not that normal to drink and stuff as much as i did but i mean i was in halifax and i was just living it up and stuff and i just felt like i was on top of the world like and then i i wouldn't really take care of myself like i would clean obviously myself and but I wouldn't really clean my apartment. I I would just, I would literally like have dirty clothes and just uh, buy new clothes. Like I just bought and bought and bought, bought so much stuff that I did not need. And yeah, just little bursts of mania, but not like full blown or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Just unhealthy behaviors. Yes, very much so. But they did classify it as manic episodes. So I guess, yeah. (laughs) So, um, when you get back, does it kind of escalate and then that what, that's what led you into, uh, Yeah, I just got back and for some reason I remember I felt feeling completely alone and, uh, it just, yeah, it spiraled and I ended up, my mom's like, let's go to the beach, that'll help and the sun will help and then I ended up getting a super bad sunburn and then that night ending up in, um a quiet room with a leather couch and a really bad sunburn so yeah that's kind of what happened there and then in 2017 I just remember being like pretty stable for the most part and then it all just kind of came crashing down again in 2018 and 19. I don't want to back you up but um kind of like how was that first experience um at unit nine and then um like Um, the period between that and the suicide attempt a month later what was that sort of mindset like i would say like the first experience in the hospital like i just remember like trying to be super nice to everybody i guess because like i didn't really know how to react to some of the stuff because it's so diverse right so i remember like going on a pass and buying this little like magnetic fish aquarium and giving it to one of the patients and like I just I try at first I was very shy but then I ended up just like getting along with everybody and like you know kind of creating a family bond with people and stuff so it was good and the, the like the nurses were excellent um I don't remember it that much just because I've been in hospital so many times but I do remember like meeting some friends and stuff in there and they'll be they'll be always on my mind so yeah I'm sure you kind of create a bond uh, yes. special bond with people that you're in there with yeah I mean like 90% of my friends some of my best friends are people that I've met in the hospital and I wouldn't change that like that's just yeah right yeah yeah sometimes just I think when you go through there's like a camaraderie and going through something mm-hmm. um, together yeah know? exactly for sure it's like well you're living with them practically too right so for a yeah. little bit so you kind of get like you kind of got to get to know them mm-hmm. so um how does it go after you get out that first time the first time um 
they put me on medications and stuff and uh eventually it started to kick in but I just I wasn't I wasn't well still I was still very low and I guess the medication maybe didn't kick in by the time that I reached my second time going in and I just remember one day feeling extremely low and it was so weird because um I got this like idea that like well some something was posted on Facebook probably one of those like myths or whatever that the world was ending that day and I was like you know what that's how I that's how I feel right now so instead of waiting I'm just gonna attempt it myself kind of thing and uh it didn't it didn't go through with it like I attempted but ended up realizing like okay I have people coming here in like five minutes if you can't do this um so then I called my sister and I spent the day still obsessing over this world ending I don't know what it was hoax (laughs) and um so then I ended up having to go back to the hospital my parents read my note and stuff like that and my dad doesn't usually cry and he uh he cried and so that was really hard but that time I ended up in the hospital for a week and then after that I was like fairly good um I I just grew after that I did really good with my psychiatrist and then I got a new therapist after that I think it was like a month or two after that because that one retired and me and her got along really well so um I'm grateful for that experience that I had at the hospital that time because it it really got me the supports that I needed at the time and uh, it helped me be healthy for about a year so that's good mm-hmm. yeah I imagine like like you say that you, your dad doesn't cry like I imagine that that like yeah I've only ever seen him cry three times and like I'm definitely like his girl so it it was definitely I'd say very hard for my parents to read the thoughts that I had and stuff like that and for anybody to read that kind of stuff or even feel that stuff it's just yeah I could only I could only imagine the pain and I just felt horrible but they saved my life so many times so yeah I imagine, I imagine that kind of brings like a new level of uh, support and like mm-hmm. understanding from yeah from people around you when something like that happens yeah. like understanding I mean, like, where you're at yeah, because like after uh, after they realized like what I was going through and stuff, like I've been so close to my parents and they've been my number one support completely. Um, if it wasn't for them, I would not be here. So yeah, for sure. Like as much as as shitty as it is to deal with mental health and stuff, um, you end up having really close bonds with people, and it can be beautiful even if it's madness. Is kind of what I think. Um, I try to look at the silver linings of it as much as I can (laughs) and that what you're saying is definitely one of them yeah for sure yeah well I think it's it kind of goes plays into um, what we're saying about like going through adversity with people um, Mm -hmm. like builds camaraderie like it's like when you go through something horrible together like it, uh, you I, open up deeper to each other and then that connection becomes deeper absolutely and like you find out things about people that they would never maybe even share with anybody else right because they then connect with you so for sure it's it's 
it's a crappy, like it's not a fun thing to go through. Um, I have literally almost died quite quite a handful of times, but um, be, like you're saying, like there's good things about it. And that's definitely one of them is uh, connecting with people on a different level. It's a completely different level. So yeah, for sure. I think there's like a, there's like a level of like, uh, I don't know if honesty is the right word of just like, uh, mm -hmm. vulnerability yeah, just, maybe. Or yeah, something. vulnerability. Yeah. yeah, complete vulnerability yeah, to like, one another. Yeah. Like you're showing each other who you are mm -hmm. completely. Yeah. It's like I said, it, it is a beautiful thing, even though it, it's people look at it and they think, oh, it shouldn't be, but like, it can really be so yeah as horrible so, as mental health is for sure so where where does it go from there like um so you said there was kind of an upswing for a year yeah. where you started you new therapists and stuff yeah so for I had this therapist and her name was Angela um and she was amazing she saved my life uh she got me on track many times and so I was with her for about a year and 2017 was great, but then the end of it, I kind of came crashing down again. Um, and so uh, towards the beginning of 2018, um, I don't really know what happened, but I just remember, I believe that I was kind of getting manic, but like, like I said, with my rapid cycling with bipolar, it's like, you can literally be manic and depressed at the same time sometimes. So it's really overwhelming. Um, and sometimes to mask the depression, I can get really manic um, just because I don't want to be depressed. And I'm still like that uh, to this day. There's not much you can do about it. But uh, so that's kind of what happened at this point. I was going through just reliving some old traumas and stuff in my head. And uh, eventually I just remember um, going to my therapy appointment, but it had snowed the night before. And I had gone out uh, without a snow scraper, without mittens, nothing, um, and took about five feet-ish of snow off my car in under 10 minutes, um, about five minutes. And that's not really normal. <laughs> so uh, I get to my appointment and I'm telling her, I'm like, oh my God, you'll never believe what happened, like what I just did. And they're like, yeah, you can either go to the hospital by yourself or we can get you there somehow so yeah I ended up going back to the hospital and I was there for about a month and at this point I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder so on top of my bipolar at this point now I had two diagnoses um so that's 2018 and uh but borderline like it's through what the doctors say it's like it's so hard for people to for doctors to deal with but I did start taking a DBT course which is dialectical behavioral therapy and that saved my life as well I've been saying like a lot of things saved my life but they did like these things have definitely saved my life and um, then I got into peer support which is through Canadian mental health and just got on the right path and stuff and um, so 2018 was pretty good other than that one little stint of time and then 2019 was kind of the year where everything crashed. I, I don't want to slow you down before you get to 2019 but oh, yeah, no, um, no. what what was uh you say it was dbt yeah 
what was that like? Oh, it was amazing. So I did like a classroom environment type thing. And so they open with um, mindfulness, which is basically just like a meditation, a guided meditation. And they have four modules. So the first one is mindfulness. Um, and then they have emotional regulation, interpersonal relationship skills, and distress tolerance skills. Um, and it's based for people with borderline, but honestly, anybody could use it really like it's good for anybody I think because I also have other issues that I deal with that I use it for and I use it with people that I work with people that I love care about any anybody and so it's created by a lady named Marsha Linehan and she actually struggled with borderline so she created it just purely out of her own kind of issues I think and what helps her and stuff so it's really cool and I encourage anybody, honestly, to look into that if they think they deal with emotions and not regulating them good or not having relationships that are very strong because of their illness or even if they just don't have any distress skills, right? So, yeah, DBT is really good. It's almost like that should be taught in school to kids. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, literally, I think that would be amazing <laughs> maybe someday we'll live in a world where it does get taught in school and that would be excellent because I know especially because I work with um children who have autism and I mean they would benefit so much but even like a, a just anybody with a normal functioning brain can use it like yeah. you know you can have a bad Once day and yeah it's all just tools like these are like it it's is. all things you have to yeah you know, deal with in life I that's the most my, important thing yeah things. and i call it my toolbox and you're right when you say it's all tools it definitely is carry it with me every day <laughs> yeah yeah and that's a super common conversation i have in here is like um what are the tools you use every day what are the things you do every day to help with your mental health and mm -hmm. um for my job too, it's kind of like I'm a personal trainer. So that's like, it's all about tools yeah. as well. I just think like. Everything yeah. kind of goes hand in hand. Like even like, like you can use these for anything, right? Like even if you got like, if you're in school and you got a bad mark on a test, well, you could get really angry or you could find coping skills. Like, I mean, you're not going to reach out probably on Google and type in DBT and like, but like, you know what I mean? It's just, I'm saying it like it goes for anything like 100 just had a bad day at work well like for me like i can really debunk my emotions for the most part through dbt so mm. yeah and i use it with work too like it's definitely yeah because I, I do work in mental health so right yeah no it's huge so like mm -hmm. meditational mindfulness and then mindset um, yeah for sure being able to navigate um, your own emotions and your own relationships that's like yeah that's like 90% of like life and how are you going to be mm -hmm. happy, exactly. you know, your relationships and your emotions and they all play together. Right. Yeah. Um, and radical acceptance was a big thing that I learned too, that they don't really teach in the course because it's kind of something you have to just learn yourself. Um, and it's hard to explain it. So I don't really think I can go into detail of how to explain it, but it's just kind of like proceeding mindfully and accepting things for how they are and knowing that you can't mm. change them in the moment. Right. Yeah. Um, and you can't change things that you have done. You can just move and grow kind of thing. So 
yeah yeah it's like the whole focus on what you can control exactly that's the only thing you control it's great to vibe with somebody who can talk about it because like it's so important like this is my whole life pretty much just tbc and stuff so yeah no great for sure yeah well i think like there's like i was just talking about this on the last podcast i recorded there's like this whole uh this sort of thing is very common now yeah it is yeah, like you see really it a lot of there's like a whole shift almost like in our generation mm-hmm. older generations too but like of uh mindfulness self-growth um yeah. and just becoming like the and mindset and just becoming like the best kind of version of yourself and yeah exactly. like health and wellness and stuff and like and everybody health- is usually doing it that's um yeah, like a lot of successful people are doing it but just normal people are doing mm-hmm. it. there's i just see this whole like shift of yeah generation. and that's that's the thing too is like i know like even myself i can get frustrated with the system i think we all as humans are frustrated with the mental health system and crisis and stuff but we have to know that like we've come a long way from like even just a few years ago right and mm-hmm. that's part of it like in and people will we'll see it we will see yeah. a big change i think so we already are i think so too yeah huge change in the last couple of years because exactly like how old are you now i'm 24 and okay so, for, so what's that i was gonna say you're like roughly i'm 25 so like when you were in grade eight like you said you didn't um you didn't know what anxiety was or panic attacks like yeah nothing if you think back to that time like probably 2008 2009 and like even like I remember in high school like 2010 11 12 like there was no like no one was talking about anxiety Nobody or what that like you didn't even think you didn't think about it mm-hmm. yeah um, so like the change just in that like it 10 is years telling. yeah and that seems like a long time but like I mean where are we going to be in the next 10 years like yeah. I mean I don't like to think about the future too much, but I do know that we are going in a good direction, even if we can't see it right now. It just takes time. And, and really, I, I think know, like, sorry, go ahead. No, that's that's fine. I was gonna say, really, I think it happened in less than ten because, like, mm-hmm. I don't even know, like, fourteen, fifteen, they were talking about as much as like even sixteen. Like, I I don't really yeah. remember too much, but. Yeah, I know that like my DBT started in 2018, and then all of a sudden everybody was starting to do DBT and mindfulness was a big thing and you know like they're teaching it at the hospital when um when I was there in 2019 like they had little crash courses on it and stuff so I mean yeah there's so many other therapies but I I wouldn't even know where to begin yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think with like with that with that stuff in particular um like that's something that like it all begins with you right like that's like it's like a self self-learned skill self-learned tools yeah exactly you have to be ready to do it too right mm-hmm. that's the thing that's the key is that some people aren't and it's like anything like once you're ready to do it and once you're ready to grow and stuff and learn the skills then you're set and yeah there will be downfalls like i always say healing isn't linear and that's the big thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no 100 percent um yeah. so that happens 2018 and then where does it go from there 
Oh, well, strap down, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> yeah, buckle up. Uh, 2019, in the nutshell, was just chaotic. I was extremely de- like depressed. I was in a relationship with this guy, and he was amazing. Like I would never say anything bad about him, but I was toxic, and I was unwell. And when I say toxic, I mean like I was still learning my DBT stuff, right? I wasn't, I didn't have that toolbox that I had. And um, I can't change that, unfortunately. I can't change the things, the person who I was back then, who was a total monster. And I will say that, Um, but uh, I guess basically I was just really dependent on this guy and he had to go away for a school thing. And I just crashed, I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to cope because with borderline, you do attach to people and that was who I attached to. And uh, so he left in January and I ended up in the hospital in January, literally got off the plane and pretty much because I went for a little bit and uh, yeah, about maybe a few days later, I got admitted to the hospital. The first time like it was whatever. I didn't get much out of it. Uh, the second time I was pretty manic So that was, so I'll just kind of timeline it out for you. So I was in there in January to February, got out, got back in in March um, after another almost suicide attempt. But like I said, I masked my depression sometimes with being manic. So once I got in the hospital, like I was just like gone. I was really manic, but then um, that kind of helped me a little bit. But then in the midst of this all, um, I don't know if I told you, I had uh, me and a co, another friend, we did these fundraisers um, called Raising Up Warriors. And so we organized this big fundraiser kind of thing with, uh, I think there was like about between 100 and 200 people in attendance actually. And we did like silent auctions. We did like, we had guest speakers. We had like musicians, like a whole bunch of stuff. It was kind of like a banquet, but not as fancy. Um, so the first year was great. That was in 2018. But the second year I was really sick for doing it. And so I was doing it in the hospital and then on passes and stuff. And my parents were helping and my sister was helping and anybody who could help was helping out and stuff, but it was just a lot. And then, so I got out of the hospital in April and um, instantly pretty much got sick again. But this time I experienced my first uh, episode of psychosis. And uh, that was very scary. While managing all of this stuff with the fundraiser. Um, So yeah, (laughs) that was awful, (laughs) at least. (laughs) What was that like? Um, basically, I had this like shadowy figure following me around, and I never experienced anything like that before. So it was more like it was visual hallucinations, and it was everywhere. And it would be there if I had the lights off, the lights on. Um, it was just there, but I had to kind of rally through the fundraiser, right? Because that was something I knew that I needed to do. And I knew that after the fact, I would have to be probably admitted again because it wasn't going away. Um, And 
I was just really, really sick. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I remember every every night, if not every second night, crying and screaming to my mom about how much I wanted to die. Like I was probably the sickest I ever and maybe hopefully ever will be at this point in my life. So this is about beginning of May 2019. And so my boyfriend at that time did come back, but he decided that he was going to move there because he got a job opportunity and which was great for him. And unfortunately, I just wasn't, I wasn't well, so I couldn't go. So we decided to break, uh, break up, but we were together for four years. So that's a little bit hard. So we kind of spread it out over the span of the next month while he was still home. Um, but in that time, I ended up going to Hillsboro for a month because of my psychosis, my uh, like suicidal thought. Like, I was just really unwell. I don't even know how I can wrap it up into one word of what I was going through because it was just so many symptoms. And I remember just being in, in bed for, I don't even know how long, like it was days and just sleeping because that's how much medication I had to take basically. And um, then I just became, oh, then I just became really depressed. And uh, I was in there for 24 days. So I got in there May 4th and my 23rd birthday, yeah, 23rd birthday on the 28th of May was the first time I actually got out on a pass. So uh, that was pretty difficult. Um, in that time frame, my boyfriend graduated at the time and I didn't get to go. I wasn't safe to be out, I guess. And yeah, it was just a really hard experience for me. Um, and in that time frame, I got diagnosed with uh, bulimia and anorexia and as well as OCD. And um, so, yeah, so and then I had a, a, a few diagnoses going on there and uh, as well as like substance abuse. So um, they got me on the list for strength, uh, which is a like a rehab type, type deal, but it's also for mental health. Um, and so I kind of had like an eye-opening experience when I was in there and when my boyfriend moved and stuff, because I was like, you know what, like you can live like this um, and you can keep coming back to the hospital. And I'm not saying people like should not use a hospital, but for me, I'm just like, you can live like this and be off work and be sick, or you can try to better yourself. And that's kind of when DBT clicked for me. Um, Right. I was using, yeah, like I was using it every day and stuff, but that's when it clicked and I was like, okay, um, you need to stop. You have not stop, but you need to get better um, because you have jobs and you have things you have to look forward to. So finally I had like what I call like an eye-opening experience and I got out and I just turned my life around completely at this point. So that was in June, uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. um, I did have a few downhill I've had two hospitalizations since then but that's kind of where my life shifted and changed I did get uh, diagnosed with ADHD since but yeah that's kind of the gist of it all so 
I think that's super interesting, like that eye-opening experience. And it's kind mm-hmm. of goes back to what we were talking about before. It's yeah. super common now. It's like a spiritual awakening. Absolutely. I think, I think you're right where it's like you're not, you can't do that stuff like the DBT, all those variables. You don't actually act on that until you're ready. You don't really. Mm-hmm. And like, at this point, I was like, you know, like this, this person that I cared so much for, I just lost them, right? And mm-hmm. essentially because of who I was and I didn't like who I was and Mm -hmm. it wasn't that he didn't like it it's just that he was going places and I was staying in the same spot so I was like well you need to change that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what was the biggest thing like starting like where where did you start like from day to day what have been the biggest things that helped you day to day start down this Um, path Honestly, I did it really slow. My parents had watched over me. I didn't have my car. I just slowly got back with friends and stuff like that and made new friends and stuff and just kind of laid low, but like um, still struggling with my addictions and stuff. But that's, that's, I mean, one thing at a time, right? And uh, yeah, so I just, that summer I, I got out with people. I had some good friends that got me through it and stuff and I just tried to be busy as much as possible there was days where I did have to stay in bed and stuff like that but you know I I met a lot of good people that summer and I just had a really good summer and uh and then uh I did get sick a little bit after that but that was just for my eating disorder um and then after that I just kind of came back and I now have a bunch of jobs that I love. I have a full-time job uh, with uh, security at the hospital and I absolutely love it. Like I'm doing what I, what I love because I have been there. Right. So, right. yeah. So within that time frame, like that's kind of, I started slow and then I started realizing, okay, you can go back to work now. You can start uh, working and doing things. And um I started working with uh, community care with mental health, and then I got accepted to work for CMHA's transitional housing. Um, and now I'm security as well. I don't work with community care now, but uh, yeah, so it's been, wow. it's, been, it's been really good. I've definitely conquered quite a few things over the past year. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think like it's... Uh... Like, it sounds like, um, like you were on this, like you made like conscious effort to like mm-hmm. slowly get better. Like, it's like, I'm going to get better. Like, it doesn't matter if there's setbacks, you know, there'll be setbacks, but like, I'm consciously exactly. making the effort to like, I'm going to make it better. Exactly. And I mean, if I'm being completely honest and I, I did share it on my Facebook, uh, and this just goes like to show perspective, right. Is that, um, the last little bit I have been struggling really a lot and uh, so I really appreciate doing the podcast right now because it's kind of reflecting like hey we're we're taking a moment to show like okay you've done it before and you can do it again and mm-hmm. yeah like it's gonna happen where I'm gonna have days where I just relapse with anything self-harm suicidal thoughts my addictions whatever it is just eating disorders like anything um it's gonna happen but it's just about coming back Mm -hmm. and we all can do that 
we can we have the power that's a great message it, it it is and i know that and it's unfortunate that some people can't see that but i hope that maybe somebody hears that and it actually resonates because i don't want to pump my tires but i know i am living proof of it so yeah i think it will and i think Mm -hmm. like yeah you are i mean like you've been through a lot and you made it through it and you continue to like i think resilience is a is a big key to things as well like being resilient Mm -hmm. yeah and that's definitely something that you have been thank you so much (laughs) that's that's so good to hear i mean it makes me cry here (laughs) yeah i've had a few rough days last little bit but i i've been hanging on so if anybody mm-hmm. else needs that message they can do it too yeah i mean like all the hospitalizations and these mm-hmm. uh diagnosis um like i don't know it's inspiring to to hear that you kept going and you continue to keep going and you you yeah. strive to be strive to be better i don't think yeah. that will inspire a lot of people to do the same thing mm-hmm. exactly and i just think about the people that i care for each day and i'm like well you need to keep doing that it's it's why I'm here is it's these people right that I meet mm-hmm. every day so yeah 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 um yeah. so just have one more like question as far as like uh medication are you current like what's your current medication <laughs> regimen oh I'm on quite a bit of medication <laughs> but uh but it's what helps me um it's I'm on a mood stabilizer, an antidepressant, an anti-anxiety, something for my ADHD, um, uh, something for my stomach because I deteriorated it with my eating disorder, uh, and then something for PTSD nightmares. I don't have a diagnosis of PTSD, but I have trauma nightmares. So yeah, I think that's it. What is quite a lot. but honestly medication like if if you need to take it like you you need to like it's important and right i can attest that sometimes when you go off your medications it is not actually going to help you (laughs) unless you do it professionally with a doctor (laughs) right yeah right well uh thanks so much jenny thanks so much for coming on and sharing thank you i really appreciate it and i'm i'm glad that you do this because uh my mom actually, oh my God, I'm sorry. My mom, I was telling her last night about it and she's like, yeah, my, uh, my friend who doesn't have, I don't think she even has internet. So like I heard about, we were talking about it on the phone. And so I'm like, the ladies are talking about it. So you're doing something good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, that's yeah. good news. Ladies yeah. are talking about yeah. it. So you should be proud of yourself too, Maddie, like you should. <laughs> Well, thank you so much like uh, yeah, thank you. You know, i say it all the time but if it helps one one exactly. person it's exactly. worth it and just know that you really helped me and my, my heart is warm now after doing this so thank you <laughs> that's awesome to hear yeah um thank you so much for coming on i'm thank gonna send you. you uh some salt so we got uh, some salts from the prince Edward island sea salt company here amazing perfect um, this oh, is our sponsor out, so uh, 40%, yeah. 40% of all proceeds go to mental health programming at PDI. Amazing. Shout out, guys. You rock. <laughs> so uh, everybody go check them out. I'm going to send you uh, some of those salts. Perfect. And, Thank you so uh, much. Have a great day.
Have a great day, James. Thanks for coming. Thank you.